This is Gigi Sabai, and you're listening to the Walk With Me podcast. My guest today is Reverend Kevin McGarry. Welcome to the show. Gigi, it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you for having me. It's, uh, it's really an honor for me. Appreciate it. Such an honor to have you here today. Now, why don't you start off by telling us more about you and where are you from, Kevin? All right. My brother from the hood was born in Hunter's Point Projects in San Francisco in the 1960s. If you know anything about Hunter's Point and about the projects in the 60s, you understand that was the headquarters of Black Panther Party. Uh, so that was the early part of my life. Abject poverty, grew up in that environment, um, moved to a lower middle class neighborhood later on. And my parents, uh, you know, went to, you know, public school there. My parents are still happily married today after 62 years. And uh, yeah, so uh, a native, a product, if you will, of San Francisco, the Bay Area. And, uh, and but here's what happened. What's interesting is uh, I was a pretty good student because um, my dad, even though he was an alcoholic all my formative years, um, uh, my, my mother used him as a wedge. Look, if you have a bad report card, I'm going to tell your drunk daddy, get him on you. So uh, I always did pretty good. And uh, when I graduated, uh, had, I was at, you know, kind of top of class and I had the ability then to go to San Jose State and took a sociology degree at San Jose State. And uh, so I got a sociology degree there. So um, you have to understand my trajectory, abject poverty, inner city boy life, you know, the crazy stuff I used to do there. Uh, San Jose State sociology degree, so steeped in Marxism and understanding of that. And then I met the love of my life. We've now been married going on 36 years. And um, um, we decided to just strictly live biblically. So what that meant for us is to really look at all domains of our life. And one of the domains was the domain of civic engagement. And, you know, I'm a psych, uh, have a psych degree. And I mean, I have a sociology degree. She has a psych degree. And so we we're pretty pragmatic when we started to look at the various platforms and how we engage civically, uh, we saw there was a big disconnect with, um, with really standing up for righteousness, faithfulness, and truth, and standing up uh, for our community uh, and how we were voting. We saw there was a disconnect there. So since that time, I've been a, um, I've been a conservative, uh, been uh, voting biblically. Uh, really, I don't care party. If a party stands up for life, stands up for God's definition of family, stands up for God's definition of biology, all good. So um, and, and so that was sort of my beginnings. I hope that gives you some context. Absolutely. Tell us a little bit more about your book, Kevin, Woked Up. Yeah. So uh, so the book Woked Up. So um, I, this is my fifth book. All right. So uh, and I only write when I feel that the Lord has given me an assignment. Right. So this assignment was kind of interesting because um, I didn't know a whole lot about the woke movement. I heard the term and I kind of surmised certain things, but I didn't know a whole lot about it. And I really felt that still small voice saying, hey, I need you to write on wokeism. I thought, OK, so I thought I would start with Karl Marx because everybody knows that wokesters are rooted in Marxism. And I thought, OK, I'll start on Marx. And then I, that still small voice nudged me again and said, no, no, no. Marx had a mentor. Marx had someone who gave him the precepts and ideas that he had that influenced his thinking. You need to start with that person. So I went and, and took a look at Marx and Engels. Their early works were dedicated to Charles Robert Darwin. 
So I started with Darwin. I thought, wow, this is interesting. So I started with Darwin and I took a look at his first book, which was on natural selection. Now, the subtitle of the first book is really interesting because the subtitle is For the Preservation of Most Favored Races. I'm thinking, wow. So wokeism is kind of steeped and rooted in racism? This is the complete opposite of you know what wokesters comport today. I mean, they say, look, everybody else are racist and white supremacist, and here we have the roots of some of this stuff. And uh, Darwin is, he, he was a white supremacist to the hilt because in his second book, In the Descent of Man, he goes into a lot more detail about what the favorite races are. And in that second book, he details, look, um, we whites or Caucasians, we're at the, we've already plateaued. We fully evolved. We're at the top of the hill. Um, we're intellectually much more advanced than anybody else. We have much more resources and we're much more resourceful than anybody else so we we white caucasian european aryans whatever you want to however you want to classify that are at the top of the hill now other ethnicities yeah they're not so much as a matter of fact if you take a look at blacks you see that blacks are still trying to climb the evolutionary scale you see that they're still subhuman gorillas apes and savages so when I took a look at that, I said, whoa, this is white supremacy and racism in our modern context being unleashed by virtue of Charles Darwin. So the connection then uh, is, is Darwin's work heavily influenced Marx and Engels. And, uh, and uh, so Marx and Engels fully imbibed social Darwinism and all their ideas and philosophies. And so when they started their economic philosophies, uh, that went into then communism and then revolutionary, Marxist revolutionaries, which would characterize today's woke movement, uh, we see that the wokesters are literally, and by definition, this is not an ad hominem, they're white supremacist and racist. Because of what Marx stood for, because of what Marx was rooted in, and it's inescapable. You can't, can't make it up. Thank you for sharing that, Kevin. Tell us a little bit more about your organization. So, uh, so there's a couple of organizations that I serve on. I have the Frederick Douglass Foundation of California, which is a, a, an organization that tries to get uh, Black communities to recognize the legacy of Frederick Douglass and to become more active and civically minded and civically involved, civically engaged. Um, and, and, and also I work a lot with churches to try to help them pastors to, uh, just, you know, promote biblical thinking when you go to the ballot box and when you try to participate civically, let's, can we just think about the Bible as opposed to parties? Uh, believe it or not, that's like pulling teeth. Uh, there's a lot of pastors, especially ethnic pastors that really don't want to think biblically. No, no, they, they love their parishioners thinking strictly based on party and, and tradition, mom and them, grandma and them. Uh, I'm just going to pull a lever for who they, you know. So uh, anyway, they, it, it's a, it's a much tougher task than what you would think. Um, and so I do that with the Frederick Douglass foundation. The other organization is every black life matters. And the reason why uh, the way I serve with every black life matters is I'm a co-founder and president and uh, chairman. And uh, fundamentally, we're here because of the carnage and, uh, you know, the, the 
all the stuff that happened a couple of years ago with Black Lives Matter, uh, fundamentally what we saw uh, were our major uh, metro, metro, metropolitan areas, uh, urban areas mostly, being fully destroyed at the hand of, of a black organization, supposedly. And uh, so a black organization was standing by and encouraging a white organization, a white supremacist organization, in my opinion, that would be Antifa, uh, encouraged them to go ahead and set black and brown businesses on fire. And, and we thought, wow, this is really bizarre. And then they would loot these black and brown stores and they would loot and tear up the community uh, without even thinking about what that does to the little kids or to the grandmothers that have to go shopping. Now they have to catch two buses and traverse half the city to get groceries. So anyway, uh, so we saw that. And then, um, you know, everything that Black Lives Matter stood for, they were revolutionary Marxists. You know, we're revolutionary Marxists proudly saying that. And we thought, well, this is really strange. The last straw was when we saw pastors encouraging their parishioners, hey, go out and do some, you know, march with these folks, do protests with BLM. We thought, wow, this is really strange. So we have black pastors and other pastors encouraging parishioners to participate with Black Lives Matter. They're just literally destroying communities as they are a revolutionary Marxist organization, uh, completely anti-family, anti-father, anti-child. I mean, they're pro, pro-abort all the way. And so we said, this is, this is crazy. So we decided to start Every Black Life Matters because uh, we know that there's a lot of, of faith-minded people and moral people who couldn't necessarily get on with BLM, God bless them. And they wanted to support Black Life, but they wanted an organization that was really about it. And so we started Every Black Life Matters uh, to be the righteous and faithful alternative to BLM. Uh, what it also does is it illuminates the issue of Black life mattering from conception to the grave. And the importance of that is uh, when Margaret Sanger said, uh, I don't want the word to get out, but I want to fully exterminate the Negro population, the Black population. She didn't combine in there, hey, I want to destroy Blacks and Latinos or Blacks and Asians or Blacks. and No, no. She said, I want to destroy Blacks. That's why she started Planned Parenthood. And so what it allows us to do is illuminate these factors and helps us to then promote uh, an anti, a true anti-white supremacy and anti-racist, uh, you know, uh, motif uh, where we can actually go about and help people understand, look, uh, you know, Planned Parenthood was literally started by a white supremacist and a racist. And all she wanted to do was exterminate Blacks. And so that just doesn't comport to your support of that organization. So we do these kinds of things to help kind of, you know, build the conversations across communities. Very powerful. Tell us a little bit more about your article. So latest article was uh, Moloch. And so, so, you know, when, when I read the Bible and I take a look at how horrendous uh, these child sacrifices were with Moloch, in Baal, um, you, you take a look at it. They were taking live children uh, and then putting them in the, in the, you know, they had these huge uh, idol gods, uh, both Moloch and Baal, that had a fiery furnace as a, as a stomach, believe it or not, it was their stomach. And these kids were placed in the stomach 
right? And burned to death horribly. You'd hear the screams and everything like that. And this was part of a ritual. This was, you know, supposedly a sacrifice to the gods, right? And that would help the community to prosper. And I thought, this is barbaric. This is horrible. This is tragic. And I thought about that and I thought, I could never, ever be so savage. How could any communities be so savage? I really felt that still small voice tap me on the shoulder and say, uh, excuse me, uh, it's much worse today. I'm thinking, oh. So I did a little research and uh, it comes out that, yeah, Moloch and Baal has nothing on what we're doing to the innocent babies in the womb today. Because today we are literally still burning them in the womb by way of chemical uh, abortions, right? Uh, we are, but we go beyond that. Okay. We go beyond that. We, we, we literally take the kids up to the time and even after birth in, in states like Minnesota, Michigan, and California after birth. And we start dismembering them piece by piece, limb by limb. Now these babies are alive and they could feel pain. It's already been proven in the, even in the womb, in the womb, let alone when they get out of the womb, Right. And we're dismembering them piece by piece. Uh, and then we have the audacity to sell their body parts. So we've gone way beyond the rituals, uh, the, the barbaric rituals and the savagery of the past. We today are much, much worse. And we don't, it was only maybe a few thousand children that were sacrificed in ancient times. Today, hundreds of millions, billions around the world. Because uh, China has, has a huge number of children they abort all the time, it's continuous. So, um, so when you start factoring that in, we're far worse and much more savage than even the worst of the worst uh, rituals that were in the biblical ancient times, right? So, uh, so this article goes through that kind of uh, explanation, but it also says, look, even those children that are born and are you know, and they're fine. Um, we as parents sacrifice them every day when we keep them in the public school system. Because literally what we're doing within the public school system is we're allowing those teachers that are mostly perverted, right? And I'm, I don't say that flippantly. I mean, matter-of-factly, just look at the stats, look at what you see. Um, and, and these teachers are over-sexualizing our children from kindergarten to 12th grade. And, and then they're confusing them. They're trying to create gender dysphoria by saying, look, you're not in the white, right body, you know, this and that. Uh, and then um, they go further and they try to teach them hate, how to hate your neighbor. Well, I thought we were fun-loving, faithful people. Love your neighbors is, you know, God's, you know, main command now, right? Uh, love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, the great commandment. So we're actually teaching our children how to hate other people. I, I don't know about you, Gigi, but I didn't uh, hating someone. That was an emotion I really didn't. I, even now, I can't really uh, connect to. But likewise, uh, but yeah, I mean, but it takes a lot of effort to try to hate somebody, and you're teaching you're teaching teaching children how to do this, right? So, uh, so that is the child sacrifice that we're, that's happening for our children as they're growing up in today's world. And so I'm encouraging all parents and, and, and community members, look, please don't, don't ignore the child sacrifices at the abortuaries 
and in our communities with these public school systems and their curriculums. Uh, all of it is child sacrifice, and we need to be sincere about trying to correct this. So we, could, we should join as many as we can, homeschool networks, we should spawn more of them, uh, learning pods, all, you know, as many uh, alternate educational platforms as possible is what we need today. Very true. Now, Kevin, what is your best advice to the audience for walking with purpose and living a life of happiness? Uh, okay, so um, well, first of all, we have to recognize that we are here on assignment. And so for me and, and, and my family, for me and my wife, we try to connect with that first and foremost. What, what allows us to have joy is to know that we're simply here doing what God placed us here to do. Uh, we don't have to be overly concerned with coveting somebody else's wealth or riches or whatever else they may have that we think we may want, because we have an individual, purposeful, customized assignment from God that we're a part of. There's a lot of joy in that if you can connect with that. Uh, so many people have a lot of, uh, of pain and sorrow and agony in life because they, in their own mind, want to pursue sort of the world system, right? And, and, and or the, the, the riches and glory of the world. Uh, when, if that's not the lane that God specifically created for you, then it's going to cause you more heartache and pain than you could ever imagine. Uh, why don't we sit at the feet of the Lord, trust him with the direction for our life, and just try to be the best at that? Um, so that's what I encourage anybody, everybody, because as soon as you connect with that, then you can be whole and complete right where you are, and you could be without lack. Um, and that's where you, that's when you can experience true joy and true purpose, right? Um, and so I would encourage everybody, anybody, that's the advice I would give is look, just God created you for a particular assignment, tap into what that is and just live that best life. Amen. Thank you, Kevin. Now, where can the audience find you? You can find me at everyblm.com, everyblm.com. And uh, so you can go to that website, you can comment and become a partner, become a supporter, pray for us, support us, um, and then learn a lot more about what the, the works that we do do in the communities and that uh, at Every Black Life Matters. The other way is to certainly go into Amazon and you can connect with me there by getting the book and uh, really learning about uh, wokeism and how to really help our children and grandchildren and, and community children to understand that wokeism is not what you think it is. It's, it's much more uh, devious and insidious than that and help bring them out of that. But you can't, if you don't have the talking points, which this book, you know, perfectly characterizes and everything's footnoted there for you. If you don't have the talking point, then you're not going to be able to do that. So, um, so, you know, number two thing is you can connect me as connect with me as well via Amazon. Fantastic. Thank you, Kevin. Everyone, make sure to check out Kevin on his website. That's everyblm.com. And Kevin, thank you again for being a guest on the Walk With Me podcast. You have a blessed day. Thank you, Gigi. God bless you. Likewise.